It's another college baseball Tuesday. We're talking the Big Ten, which has more than 10 schools. But Nebraska won the conference last year when they played a conference-only schedule, and they sent three teams to the regionals. What happens this year? Who comes out of there? And again, I am asking, where are all the pitchers? All that and more on today's Locked on MLB Prospects. You are Locked on MLB Prospects, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer for Sports Illustrated, lifelong minor league baseball fan and advocate. Thank you for making us your first listen every single day. And we're talking Big Ten today. Had a weird year last year. They played a conference-only schedule, so you only got 44 games and ended up being really difficult to try to figure out the true nature of this conference. Nebraska won by three and a half games, but are they going to repeat this year? And the the question when looking at this conference from the outside is because of that schedule, only playing 44 games and no conference tournament, everything being in conference with an auto bid to the regular season winner and then invites. The selection committee struggled a bit. Usually you see you know, four or five teams from the Big Ten in the regionals. You only saw three last year, Nebraska, Maryland, and Michigan. And, you know, Nebraska and Maryland made it to the regional finals, so they did pretty well, but it's something where evaluating this conference is kind of hard. Uh, Obviously, different number of games. You have some schools that didn't even get all those games in because of COVID cancellations. You have the stats are skewed. You didn't have paycheck games. So, On the one hand, maybe this is a little bit more accurate of a true talent level. On the other hand, it's just kind of hard to figure out, you know, how does a guy compare here to where he would have been had he played a normal schedule. But when previewing and thinking about what this team's, what this conference is going to do, you have to start with Nebraska. So one by three and a half games over, over Maryland, second time Nebraska's won the Big Ten since they joined And if you remember, they got matched up against Arkansas in the regionals and pushed Arkansas as far as they possibly could against the number one overall seed. And so definitely the favorite. Now, they lost some guys off this team, not as much as you might think. They did lose All-American shortstop Spencer Swallenback. Uh, He was also a reliever for them, so kind of a guy who played dual roles. They lost their their number one pitcher, Cam Povich, uh, their leading hitter, Jackson Hallmark. But Still plenty. I do like some of the young talent on this team. Uh, Third baseman Max Anderson batted 332, 386, 500 with seven home runs as a true freshman. So kind of great that you have him back to anchor at third base. Uh, Griffin Everett, catcher batted 287, 374, 10. So a veteran that you can kind of lean on to, to call games and really guide you along. And the thing that We've talked about it a lot so far on the College Baseball Tuesdays about where is the pitching in college baseball. And there's a lot of reasons for that, and I'm going to get to that in just a few minutes. But Nebraska's a team, you've got – they have at least four guys who have a lot of experience. Like this is their fourth year of college baseball. And, you know, like draft eligible guys who didn't go. And so you have to think about – like there's two two lefties, two righties. You have to think that you're going to be able to make a good – 
starting rotation there. And then they brought in the best recruiting class in the entire conference. So Nebraska's never won back-to-back conference titles. I feel like if they're going to do that, this is the year simply because we know the state of pitching in college baseball as a whole. So many pitchers in college ball just are lacking the innings and are lacking, uh, you know, are, are, are hurt. And so many guys, we, we just don't know where the college arms are. And, and if you look at a list of the top draft prospects for this year and you compare it to previous years, I think you probably have more pitchers on there, but so many of them are either hurt, thinking like a Peyton Paulette at Arkansas, or they're a guy who, instead of having thrown 120, 130 innings in college by now, they lost 2020. Some of them had short workloads in 2021 or lost some games to COVID cancellations. And so they've thrown, instead of throwing 120, 130 innings, they've thrown 50 in college. And so there's an opportunity there for a pitcher to step up and establish themselves as the best pitcher in the conference. Uh, there's also opportunity to, to pr- propel yourself into high draft status simply because MLB teams want to know where is the pitching coming from. And you talk about kind of propelling yourself up and getting yourself into contention. I think about Michigan. Michigan was fighting to, to win the Big Ten all the way till the very end. They kind of uh, got swept at the end by Nebraska and Maryland. But, you know, Michigan lost pretty quickly when they got to regionals. I think they were in the South Bend regional, didn't win a game there. And, you know, they they lost an ace as well, Stephen. I think it's Hager. Hajar, Hager, if you know the pronunciation of that, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. I'd love to know how to say his name. Second round pick last year. And so I think that they've got uh, a lot of, they still have a lot of talent though. And I think right-hand pitcher Cameron Weston might be one of the better pitchers in the Big Ten. I like his fastball. Uh, it, it sits mid, low to mid-90s. He can consistently put it at 95. He's got a good slider. It's got a nice sweeping break action to it. So He's a guy who is really going to benefit from not having a ton of top-level pitchers established in the Big Ten. Uh, But Michigan also brings back a couple other veterans, whether it's going to be in the bullpen, whether it's going to be in the rotation, who they feel good about. And then offensively, uh, quite a few guys to give them a good core. They have um, Alfred Clark Elliott. Actually, I think he batted 270 last year, but – breakout in the Cape Cod League. And I, I, I want to say he he won the batting title in the Cape Cod League, comes back to Michigan, going to be one of the anchors in that lineup. Um, you got a couple of the guys, Ted Burton, Tito Flores, you know, all hit over 300. Jimmy, Jimmy Overtop hit 11 home runs in 44 games. Um, so a lot of, lot of core guys there in the lineup. They have the pieces to, to compete for the title. The question for Michigan is what happens around it? You did bring some transfers in. You did bring some other guys. So we got got to kind of figure out what's going to happen there. And then the other team that's kind of up in that top tier with them is Maryland. So finished second place. First time they've been in the tournament since 2017. And they did have a couple guys get drafted high. But I still think Maryland has one of the better rotations in the Big Ten. So they've got... They've got uh, Jason Savakul moving from the bullpen back into the rotation. He, uh, he's, a, he's a sophomore. They've got a couple lefties, and then Ryan Ramsey and Andrew Johnson, uh, again, moving from the bullpen to the rotation. And then 
Uh, Nick Dean is a guy, right, who I think is probably going to be their Friday night guy. Uh, they did miss, they did lose Nigel Belgrade for the last two years. Um, he's, well, he, okay, he pitched a little bit in 2020, got shut down. 2021 was out all year with, with injury. He's one of those guys, I mean, he, He's got he's got velocity on him, and this is an opportunity for him to kind of establish himself. Probably, he's a guy you probably start off with in the bullpen versus the rotation, simply because you have so many options, you have so many guys with experience, and he's coming back from injury. Don't push him too far. Let him start in the in the bullpen, and then you can kind of work him if you need to put him in the rotation later. You can do that. Um, offensively, I think the team's going to be good, but defensively is where I have questions. Uh, Kevin Kaiser at shortstop, I think is good. I, uh, he's probably one of the better defenders, but he batted 98 last year, like 0.098 last year. So I question about it. And it's nothing against him. Is his bat good enough to keep him in the lineup because he's an integral part of their defense? So some questions there about Maryland. And I mean, if you're okay, it, if you're looking at like a tiered system, you, you have, okay, include Iowa in that as well. They just missed the tournament last year. They were like one game behind Michigan. Haven't been there since 2017. And they had the big 10 pitcher of the year in Trenton Wallace. So um, big guy, big arm. They do have a lot of veterans again. No pitchers that just come out to you as like, oh my gosh, these guys are amazing. But a lot of depth, you know, a lot of up, upperclassmen depth too. So Dylan Nevded. Uh, had nine saves in the bullpen. He's going to move into the rotation. They did bring in a transfer, Adam Mazur. Uh, he's actually a guy who played in Cape Cod League as well, did pretty well. They've got a couple, couple JUCO guys, Casey Day, Ben Te'ei, I think, Ben Te'ei. So definitely have pieces in the rotation there. Um, Position-wise, a lot of youth. And so you kind of have to question what's going to happen you know, they're bringing back a couple of veterans, but a lot of young players. So they've got to figure out roles, figure out where guys are going to go and and really lean on that pitching early until some of these lineup spots can get established. And, you know, in, in just a minute, I kind of want to cover that middle tier in the Big Ten and some of those teams that, you know, are going to could go either way, could have a breakout year, could disappoint a little bit. But first, we talk about being disappointed. I do want to tell you about uh, how I normally don't stick to my New Year's resolutions. Uh, it, 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 it's tough. Eating, eating healthy and eating right is not a necessarily always a fun thing to do, but I'm having more luck this year because of Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Uh, they, it's covered 100% real chocolate. And if you want a treat, they also have puffs. It's the protein-infused marshmallow. Not just a protein bar, it's a treat. And so, like I said, everything is low-calorie, high-protein, you can go to built.com and check out the list of all of the different flavors. I mean, whether it's coconut almond, what mint brownie, peanut butter brownie is one of my favorites. White chocolate cookies and cream just came out this month. Or if you're looking at the puffs, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie, there's a churro flavor, lots of different options. And they commonly rotate things in and out as well. So go to built.com, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your order at built.com. That's promo code LOCK15 at built.com. Com. And this episode is also brought to you by our friends at Rock Auto. And Rock Auto is the place for DIYers to save time and money uh, when buying parts for your car. Don't spend 50 to 100% more at a chain store just to wait for that part to be shipped to you because they don't have it in the back room. Order from the family business of Rock Auto and get the reliably low price that every customer gets. 
They have everything you can need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, the carpet that goes in your car. They have everything. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. And so when you when you look at the Big Ten, you have those big four teams up top. And we see that a lot in a lot of these conferences. And after that, you kind of have just a grouping of teams that can go either way, right? You've got Ohio State, you've got Indiana, you've got Rutgers, you've got Illinois. And all four of these teams, I think, could have could have great years or could disappoint. And we just don't have enough information about these teams yet, right? So Ohio State, here's a team, three pitchers draft, three starters drafted the top 11 rounds. So they are completely remaking their, their rotation. Now they brought back their closer, TJ Brock, uh, had nine saves, I think like an ERA around round two. So he's going to be probably the best reliever, best closer in the big 10. You've got some veterans. You've got a fifth-year left-hander. You've got um, a couple sophomores and a junior that you can put into the rotation out of the bullpen. They also had um, a good freshman left-hander, Gavin Bruni, in the recruiting class. But just a question of you lost a lot pitching. How do you replace it? How long does it take you to figure those roles out and let those guys gel? Now, offensively, I think that they're going to do well. They they – they bring back outfielder Cade Kern, name you probably heard of, batted over 300, had nine stolen bases. Uh, shortstop Zach Dorenzo, same thing, batted over 300, hit nine home runs. And um, fifth-year senior catcher Brent Totis. And so you like having – I I love a good college catcher. You love having a veteran catcher back there to help those pitchers acclimate. does help that they brought in slugger Hank Thomas from Georgia Tech as a transfer so I feel like offensively, Ohio State's going to be decent. The question is going to be the pitching. How quickly can they get it figured out? How quickly can they kind of, um, uh, you know, acclimate to the new roles from the bullpen to the rotation and kind of stabilize? And again, having a veteran catcher like Brent Totus is going to be a big thing for them. Indiana's a team that started off strong last year. They were on track for a regional bid, lost eight of their last 11 games. And so, and then lost six players to the draft. And so like they had made six of the last seven tournaments uh, and, and they definitely want to make it back. They had a good recruiting class. Uh, and so some of these guys are going to have a chance because you lost uh, six players to the draft. Some of these guys are going to have a chance to make immediate impacts. They brought in a, an outfielder. They brought in a, a right-hander, a third baseman. These guys might all start immediately. They also had some incoming transfers. They brought a Brought some pitchers from Wright Strait in Louisville, brought some infielders from West Virginia and Youngstown State. And so a lot of new faces in the infield and the pitching staff. Now the outfield, they, they, they've got some veteran guys that have stuck around that are still there. Morgan Colopy, about a 274 last year, uh, has a lot of raw tools. Bobby Whalen's a guy, defensively is pretty good, batted 71 last year, 071. Small sample size, but still a guy that uh, – has to take on a bigger role, has to do more. Um, pitching staff-wise, you've got, um, you've got again, another situation where you're moving guys from the bullpen into the rotation. Uh, a lot of, lot of upside here, a lot of, lot of talent, but just so many new players coming in that we just need more information about how good is this team really going to be. And so I think early in the season, 
having non-conference play back so they can figure it out against their non-con friends versus figuring out in, in division games that matter is get a conference game that matter is going to be big just so we kind of have an idea of the true talent level here and you know and, and Rutgers another team that started off strong kind of made some noise and then fell off towards the end they good thing about Rutgers they're bringing back most of their team so they're bringing back you know some of the big hitters Chris Brito batted over 300 hit 10 home runs last year Ryan Lasko had 11 uh two and two other guys Mike Nistor and uh, Richie Schofer both hit over 300, bringing all these guys back. But like Ohio State, lost their top three starters. And so what's going to happen? Brian Fitzpatrick uh, went to the Cape over the summer, looked pretty good. He's going to be moving into a new role now. Didn't look great last year from the numbers. Had an ERA over six, but he's got a lot of tools. He showed at the Cape he's a good pitcher. It's just a matter of can you kind of – figured out also brought in a lot of transfers a guy from Maryland a guy from Heartland a guy from Seton Hall you're kind of seeing some of these routines of of teams reloading when they had a big hit out of position with transfers and Rutgers is among that they have never made the tournament since they've been in the Big Ten that's like 2015 so I'm really good at seven years now so um probably you know, definitely bummed they didn't do it last year now's their chance to make some noise and then Kind of like that last team finished right at 500. That last team in that pack was Illinois. Um, you know, really have a lot of experience. They're bringing back Justin Janus, first baseman, who won the Big Ten batting title last year. Uh, they did lose their leading home run hitter, Jackson Raper, but there's a lot of guys with potential there. And then they they only lo they lost two of their three starters, but not all three. And what I love is uh, left-hander Cole Kurt Sipper. Kurt Sipper? Uh, pitch for Team USA last year, and you've heard me talking a lot about some of the some of the prospects uh, that pitched or that pitched or played for Team USA, and kind of the exposure they got, you know, managed by Mike Shosha and some of that. So, you know, love hearing that you're going to be bringing back a guy who was crucial for you or for Team USA, uh, put him into your starting rotation. They just have to figure out the additional answers. They had one of the worst Team RA Team ERAs in the conference last year, over six as a team. And so they've got to figure it out. Um, but when you're talking about figuring things out, you know, I, I want to talk about the bottom of, of this conference and some of the changes that they've made uh, to get more competitive. But first, I, you know, this show is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online, and football is now over for the season. Basketball is in full steam, though, both pro and college basketball. So whether it's the latest odds, the totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to go. BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. It's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, UFC, all the way down to Olympics coverage. You can watch Olympics right now and then go on BetOnline.net and see more about it. So head to the website today, use your mobile device, learn more about the trends in action because BetOnline is where the game starts. All right, so when you're looking at the bottom of the conference, just going to kind of go quickly here. Don't want to spend too much time on this, but Northwestern, uh, one of the teams that, like the only team that changed coaches, Spencer Allen stepped down. Josh Reynolds was promoted as interim head coach. He was the pitching coach for them. And now he's going to be the head coach. They've got bringing back some good power. Um, you're looking at infielder Anthony Calarco, uh, Steven Hurstich. So together, 20 home runs in 44 games. Feel good about that. Um, and then on the mound, they did bring back one of their top starters as well as one of their key relievers. And then you're probably going to see um, grad transfer right-hander Mike Farinelli 
step into an important role and then they're probably gonna have to count on some freshmen and so you know you you lost your soft your, your shortstop and your catcher uh you have some questions in the rotation it's something where your defense already wasn't great you just lost your shortstop as well and so if they can defensively get to be just even average and then some of these young pitchers work out they've got a shot that's always tough we'll see what happens um and then we look at penn state Best finish they had since they came in third in 2012, and they finished ninth. So Penn State, not historically a baseball powerhouse, had four players drafted, kind of a thing for them. So it's all about reloading now, bringing your catcher back, Matt Wood, that almost 300 last year. Um, but again, another team replacing the entire rotation. And again, a team that already wasn't that great, 18 and 24, lost the entire starting rotation. So uh, a couple transfers from South Carolina, one from LaSalle, a good recruiting class, and you're bringing back some of your key relievers. Mason Mello uh, led the team in appearances, but a thing here is like you need all of the new people to fit in right away if you want to contend for the conference. I just don't necessarily think it's Pitt State's year. Replacing that many guys is always hard to do. Um, and then Minnesota. Minnesota didn't even play a full 44 games. Minnesota uh, lost – I mean, they had very, very little go right. It's, a, you know, um, they finished last in the Big Ten in scoring, last in team ERA, like ERA was over eight. I mean, a lot of stuff did not go right. And so they brought in five transfers. Um, you know, they, 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 they didn't lose a ton. Yeah, brought in five transfers. They're, they're moving some guys from the bullpen to the rotation. Uh, like I said, brought some more guys in with talent, but they just have to figure it out. And so... You know, I look to see them. I mean, they're going to be better than six and thirty-one. The question is, how much better are they going to be? And we just don't necessarily know yet. And then, as you kind of get towards the end, you got Purdue, you got Michigan State. Uh, Purdue, big recruiting class, a lot of JUCOs. Another one of those schools with just just a lot of variability. We don't have nearly enough information to predict what's going to happen. I mean, almost an entirely new lineup. It's something like eight of their position player spots seven of the resistance players spots should be new like that's how much they brought in and then on the mound say they brought in a lot of new guys moving moving um lefty calvin shapira from the bullpen to the rotation but other than that it's a lot of juco transfers a lot of freshmen so why why variability in this projection here of what they could do but have the they have the talent on the team to make some noise if everything clicks and then when you look at the kind of the end of that tier three there, you're looking at Michigan State and finished 11th last year. A lot of key young players. I love when a team brings back both parts of your double play group. So uh, Trent Farquhar at second, Mitch Jeff at short. Uh, makes you feel good about how what the infield defense is going to look like. Um, did lose their ace, but, for, you know, that's about it from pitching-wise, bringing back a lot of guys. Had a couple of newcomers in there. Again, good defense, athletic lineup. You've got upside. You just need to figure out pitchers. And so that's tier one, you know, tier two, tier three. Tier 999 at the very, very possible bottom is Wisconsin. Because Wisconsin dropped baseball in 1991. Baseball was the first sport Wisconsin ever had. They had a baseball team for 116 years. And they dropped baseball in 1991 to save money. You know how many Power Five schools don't have baseball? Four. 
Wisconsin, Iowa State, Syracuse, and Colorado. It's ridiculous. So if you know somebody who is a Wisconsin fan, one, I'm sorry, because they don't get college baseball. You should feel bad for them. But two, they need to tell the school to bring baseball back. There is a concentrated effort by uh, the, 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 I guess now, the former Diamond Club members to bring baseball back to Wisconsin to the point where they have even offered to raise money to pay for it, and it so far yet has not happened. So shame on Wisconsin. They are dead to us for not having baseball on campus. I can't believe you would do this. 116 years! 116 years, and you got rid of it in 1991, and you haven't brought it back. I mean, you made like $200 million in revenue on football. You can bring back baseball. Most teams, four teams in this conference, lose a million dollars a year on baseball. Like that's no baseball team in this conference makes money. Like it's not a revenue sport for most schools in this conference. But you make so much with your football program, you can pay for baseball. Bring it back. Do it as soon as possible. The people demand the baseball. So this conference, nobody in the top 25 right now. And I don't think that's an indictment of the talent in this conference. I think that's a situation where we just don't have enough information about the quality of the teams. And there's so much variability in the projections because we don't have good info from last year. I think Nebraska is a good team. I think Michigan's a good team. Again, I think Cameron Weston of Michigan can be the best pitcher in the conference by the end of the season. Plenty of talent in there, but it's something where you don't have proven pitchers. And then you don't have a lot of impact shortstops that are draft eligible this year. And I just, I find it odd. And it's another thing, just like the SEC. It's something where a lot of the shortstops have already come out. Your young guys don't have enough film on them. And then your pitchers just don't have enough innings to get a true evaluation by MLB and by the scouts. So I look forward to seeing what's going to happen. We're obviously going to follow up with this every single week. College Baseball Tuesday is what we do here on Mock on MLB Prospects. And if you want to stick around, we do have a really interesting week coming up. Uh, the rest of this week, we have a deep dive on one specific player and uh, a, an issue that's plagued him. Um, that's going to be really interesting on Wednesday's show. Got a crossover on Thursdays like we do, and Friday, they farm Friday, uh, breaking down everything. If you have questions for the show, we do a mailbag every other Monday. I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. The show's on Twitter at Locked On Farm. You can even email us, Locked On MLB Prospects at gmail.com. If you're watching on YouTube, thank you. We're excited you're here. Please do us a favor, like, and subscribe. It really helps the show a ton. Until next time, this has been Locked On MLB Prospects. Thank you.